Hello, beautiful alchemists. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda. And on today's episode, we welcome another amazing guest, and her name is Devin Nixon. Devin and I are going to explore the topics of living more fully, the energy around transition and death, and how her work as a nurse and Reiki practitioner have taught her so much about both. So she shares so many beautiful insights in this conversation to educate us about wellness for well-being, as well as the importance of self-care for those who work to support others. Devin is a board-certified family and cardiovascular nurse practitioner and the founder of Divinity Health and Wellness. Now, through her wellness coaching, she combines energy healing and traditional Western modalities to help clients address physical and energetic needs. She also hosts a phenomenal podcast called The Purple Stethoscope, where she tackles topics about health and wellness with the aim to promote health literacy. And really the beauty about the podcast is uh, she's just so open, so honest, and she um, is really educating a lot of people in our community about preventative measures that can be taken as well as how to navigate the health system as a whole. So what you will find in this conversation and for those of you who may work in healthcare, how Reiki has really supported Devin, not only in her personal practice, but also in her professional work. And yeah, there are just so many things, so many things in this juicy conversation. I hope you enjoy it. But before we get to the episode, just take note. Again, her podcast is called The Purple Stethoscope, and you can tune into that wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. And you can also go to her website, which is D as in David, the NP.org. That's D, the NP.org. And you can follow her on Instagram at D, the NP. So all of those links will be down in the show description. I hope that you enjoy this conversation and I will see you on the other side. Ooh, okay, Devin, (laughs) let's get into all of these different scopes of healing. Um, Before we start, I have to say, I've really been looking forward to this conversation with you. And for everyone listening, just so you know, we're going to talk a little bit about everything, but I can't wait for um, this to be shared. So first of all, I just want to ask you about your journey. Now you shared with me a bit in the background, but just so everyone else knows, um, you are a nurse practitioner and you focus on cardiology, right? That's correct. I'm a nurse practitioner. I have board certifications in family and cardiology, but I spend most of my time um, practicing cardiology in that role. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm really like, I have 10,000 questions for you just about that realm of healing. And so I want to start with that because just for everyone listening again, you are also a Reiki practitioner and how you got into that is also very interesting. But what even brought you into nursing and wanting to work in the realm of healing, period? Yes, I think um, being aware of other people's pain and kind of feeling that, it, that um, 
people hurting around you and wanting to help and wanting to fix it and not really knowing the difference between um, physical healing and, and physical health and then the other types of healing modalities that I've since embraced. But, um, you know, there was a lot of sickness in my family growing up and it was normalized. You know, it was normalized for someone to end up on insulin or have to be on dialysis or to pass away suddenly, which is so bizarre to say now after being in the field for 20 plus years, it's like there are a lot of things that come before just dropping dead. Um, but our community has always had unique challenges. And um, so that was my motivation to, to do what I do, to become a nurse, to become a nurse practitioner, um, to be able to, you know, give, give back in a way that, um, you know, just knowing a little bit of something, I can't really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny you say that, that you even mentioning in our community and the different challenges that we um, have health-wise, but also even with access to health care. And I know you mentioned before, just some people not being educated around the um, access that they do have or can have. And so I know with a lot of your work, it's just that, like even the education and you have that amazing podcast, Purple Stethoscope, by the way, side note, um, this amazing podcast, but you're doing a lot. Like you share a lot of beautiful content, helping to inform people, but you've also brought in these Eastern practices as well. So I wanted to ask you about that. Like, how did you go from, um, you know, being very much in the Western system of healing and then starting to embrace these other techniques? Yeah, yeah, I love that question. Um, I think because I work in cardiology and I've been with a lot of patients on what most people would say was probably the worst day of their life or the day their life changed, or um, unfortunately, in many cases, death, surrounding their death. And the energy is so powerful. You know, I describe death energy almost like a holiness. And I don't mean like a, a traumatic death or an accident. Right. I mean, like, we know that things are decompensating in this direction and this is going to happen. And there's just this beautiful stillness, both when people are accepting their own mortality and they're offered the option of how they want to live out their days. Yeah. There's this beautiful thing that happens almost energetically where it's like, it's so empowering and it's not as sad as I think that we imagine it would be. Right. Um, the reflection, the way people reflect over their lives and over their family and, and what their lives have meant to them and how they wanna be remembered. And, and it's almost like this, this passing of the torch. I, am, I get to be in such a cool position because I get to listen to stories of people's lives as they're reflecting and as they're kind of going over it and um, accepting our, our inevitable end, right? So that energy, like the, the powerful nature of um, being in those rooms, it's, it's undeniable, you mm -hmm. know, it's undeniable that, that there's something spiritual happening. Yes. And then also, um, you know, I had grown up 
in the church and the Baptist church and prayer has always been a huge part of my life. And I think when we pray, we're in, in some senses sending energy out, right? We're, we're almost sending distance Reiki and, and, and sending it across time or across, you know, space and, and prayer has always been a huge part of my life. So it, it just made sense to kind of bring the, all of those things together. And it started with kind of praying with my patients and then, um, or praying for them. Yeah. <laughs> and then also when I do physical exams, I often will just lay a hand on the shoulder. Like when I put my stethoscope on someone's chest and that transfer, of energy and how people's whole system almost all the time when I just lay a hand on their shoulder it's just like they go and their whole system just kind of relaxes and so I was interested in this whole in this whole exchange and then um I ended up so weird so so weird I was walking to a coffee shop with a friend and it was just like spirit was telling me, God was telling me like, you need to talk to that woman. And I look at this woman and she was an older white woman and she didn't look the least bit interested in anything going on other than the friend that she was visiting with. She didn't see me. And I'm like, okay, you know, so I had coffee with my friend. On the way out, the woman stops my friend. She was friends with my girlfriend's mother. Wow. So I have to stand here. And if you ever know, if you've ever been kind of told to do something <laughs> spiritually, having to stand there and decide whether you're going to flow or not. Yes. Kind of a, <laughs> a little bit of an unrest. So I did ask her <clears throat> what she did or something like that. And she gave me her card and she was a Reiki master. And I went and I saw her for one session and she said, how much do you want to know? And I said, whatever comes through, you know? And one of the things she told me was that I have um, for, I, I don't know, you know, what terminology people are familiar with, but let's just say angels. And mm -hmm. there were four, and there was one that she said, goes in with me to see every patient. And, is, wow. and she described that energy, that calming, that peaceful, that, um, and so it was like, okay, I need to know more about this. And so I did, I got, got to know more about it. <laughs> that is very cool. You know, it reminds me of, I was just interviewed yesterday and I mentioned how we had a little bit of a discussion of how for a lot of people, it's like Reiki finds us. So it's not necessarily something we went looking for, but it just kind of showed up in our lives. But, um, I want to talk more about that and how that has moved forward for you. But I also want to go back to even you talking about um, this very spiritual experience and holding space for people when they're in transition. And the reason I want to is because I have actually been very fascinated about um, how we view death culturally, because there are some cultures that, you know, when people pass, it is like more of a celebration or um, sometimes honoring the passing and the transition, honoring that people are moving on to another um, phase of their existence, so to speak, even beyond form. So there are so many different views yeah. around what the physical death even is and what that means and how it's looked at. But um, 
I think it's really interesting because I have, um, I have been present for someone passing my stepfather when he transitioned, I was sitting right there with him. And if you had told me prior to that experience, what I, what would I feel like being around someone who was passing, I would have thought I would have been terrified and creeped out. And, but it was actually, it felt like such an honor to be there while he was transitioning and taking his last breath. And there were so many elements of that experience that, you know, I won't take the time to go into, but in general, it really felt like an honor to be there to make sure that, you know, he wasn't in fear or try to support him and not being in fear as he transitioned in these types of things. So I want to just ask you about that because you've had so much experience around this. When people are in that space of acceptance, they know that they're in that space of transition. Is there any kind of theme about what it is that they share with you in terms of what they may be grateful for or things that they may say in general that they wish they would have done differently? Are there any themes around that? Oh, yeah. And I think the theme really comes down to um, speaking their truth and living their truth. Men far and away will say, I wish I was a better father. I wish I was a better husband. I wish I didn't work so much. Wow. I hear, I've heard that so many times from dying men. And it's really cool because I get to see men who are not dying and I get to, you know, encourage them and say, what do you want to be remembered for? How do you want, what do you, is your life's purpose? What are you doing besides working yourself literally to death? Women, (laughs) this is going to sound so bad. (laughs) Women will say things like, they wish they would have lived their life. They wish they would have, you know, left sooner. Sometimes women, and I mean, leaving like relationships, a lot of women will tell me um, that they never, you know, they were so bonded to their spouse. And when their spouse passed away, this life opened up to them that they didn't know was available. And now um, they wish they would have lived more before that, you know, imagine the age of some of these women, you know? Yeah. Um, And so that theme really, really tends to be um, the little things really don't matter, like arguing with our kids or cutting our kids off or our parents or friends, like, what were we even arguing about? I missed out on all this time. And um, just really doing the things that that people enjoy to to do, um, I guess, being present. Mm-hmm. People, people mourn that they weren't present for all the beautiful things that happen in their life. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's huge. And I think that's a beautiful gift of a message for all of us that are still in the space that we are um, continuing this life at this moment. And so you did mention that there are some people that you don't work with everyone who is just passing, although you encounter that a lot. But you also um, have a lot of patients who have the scare of coming close to transition, and now they have a second chance, so to speak. And so when people are even on that, that edge of like, whoo, that was a close one, do you find that even just with what you just shared, that people kind of like a light goes off for them, and now they want to make changes or... 
And that's actually how, how I fell in love with cardiology. So my first board certification was family and I loved family. I really loved kids. I think middle school kids are the most hilarious patients ever because they are smart and sharp enough to follow everything you're saying, but they're so pure and honest and will ask you every question without any embarrassment. <laughs> so they're definitely up there. Um, but cardiology, first of all, I like problems I can fix. And, that, and when it comes to hearts, there's a lot that we can fix. Um, pediatrics is difficult because there's nothing that, nothing worse than watching a child suffer. Right. Same with, um, you know, labor and delivery or maternal health. And, you know, there's just some things that my, my heart is just, <laughs> I can't take it. But more often than not in cardiology, people do have these scares and we get to help them through that and they do get a second chance. And it's a time to reflect while you're still alive and maybe have a lot of life left. Yeah. Say, what have I been doing? How has that worked for me? And how do I want to move going forward? And it's really, really hard work. Um, I tell people, we have medication and interventions, but you have the power to change the way you spend your time, the things you think about, the things you appreciate, the things you do. Um, and I always ask patients, tell me what was going on right before your heart attack. You know, and it's, there's a theme there too. Stress, a lot of stress, a lot of worry, a lot of trying to control things that we have no control over. Yes. Yeah. And then the system, you know, crashes. So. Well, it's interesting hearing you say that because now I can see, of course, like a correlation to even the practices within the system of Reiki and how that would be like a nice um, balance or even complementary to what you've already um, learned and studied and what you do as a nurse practitioner. But I, I want to ask you before we get into the energy side really quick, I would imagine that these encounters with all these patients, whether they did transition or they just had a close call and with the stories that they've told you and all that you've seen, how has that impacted your life and how you live it? Like if you think about who you were as a nurse practitioner when you first started to where you are today, how much influence has your exchanges with all of these people impacted the way you live? It's, it's changed everything. I, yeah. I think I was very type A, like a lot of people who go into this field tend to be. It's a lot of science, it's a lot of head knowledge, you know, um, but when you are sitting with somebody who is having that type of a, a moment, it right. does change you and it's made me worry a lot less it's made me flow a lot more just accept that you know the universe is working for my good like yeah. really believe that and um it's helped me to incorporate daily practice of reiki and i'm i'm pretty big on yoga as well for my personal practice because um it just helps to me center and ground myself and and be appreciative of, of what I have, which I think for most Americans is a lot. If we mm -hmm. you know, can compare ourselves to some other places in the world, 
And there's always this, you know, push to do more and do better and get more and go faster and win. <laughs> and it's really, really detrimental to our mental health, our physical health and our spiritual health. Yes. Yeah. I hope. And that's the thing, Devin. I mean, gosh, when you said the question that you ask your pa- your patients of what was going on with them prior to having, you know, um, whatever issue that they came to you for, I mean, that's that's huge. Like when we really do think about, because I don't think that a lot of us think about the implication that this is having on our physicality. Like mm-hmm. even though people say out loud, like, oh, I'm so stressed or, oh, I'm so tired. I don't think they realize it's so much deeper than that, though. Like that stress and that exhaustion is, listen, it's, it's a, a, what do you call like an alarm, really, right? But we don't have a culture that gives us permission to say, just because I'm stressed, I can rest. Just because I'm exhausted, I can take a week off. Our culture says, you know, that means you're a hard worker. That means you, you know, you've got a great work ethic. Right. (laughs) <laughs> right and then if you if you do kill yourself they post your position and, and hire somebody else so I think that the self-compassion piece is so huge in giving ourselves permission to just you know what I I'm not gonna try to make all of these appointments this week let me clear my schedule a little bit and schedule time to be with myself yeah That's and going Oh, no, I'm sorry. But even back to what you said with the patient share with you, I think it highlights too, like what really matters to you though? Like at the end of the day, what is really important to you? And what will you look back at in terms of how I spent my time and what type of experience that gave me? Yeah. And it's never nothing. It's never nothing. When someone In my experience of taking care of people, specifically who have heart attacks, right? They're never like, I was living a peaceful life, bouncing my grandkids on my knee, being grateful for (laughs) love and life. No, it's it's work stress is a huge one. Mm -hmm. Relationship stress is another huge one. Right. And just not being kind to ourselves. And, and, but what I mean by that is like excessive drinking, smoking, drugs, not getting enough sleep. Sleep is so major. And um, those are the things that, that tend to have been happening right before one of these major events. Yeah. That is something. Okay. Okay. So now I I am going to finally (laughs) bring in this element of your energy work and the yoga because okay so here you are and it's amazing just to think of how much you've learned even just from your patients I mean that alone because I always think I'm so thankful of what I learned from other people just through their stories through their experiences right so you have um, this beautiful gift really of holding space for people that are going through these medical emergencies but that must wear on you. And, and that's the thing too. I think a lot of people don't think about the toll it must take on, um, you know, medical workers, um, first responders, all these people, like the stress of them showing up for us. Mm-hmm. So you have now implemented Reiki and yoga into your life. So mm-hmm. I'm curious just to know how have both of these individually, how have they supported you just with your own self-care? Yeah. 
Yeah, I started doing yoga when my mom was in a trauma ICU. And I just thought it was just way too much going on mentally with me. I knew too much. Mm. I knew every alarm meant. I knew what the squiggly lines on the monitor meant. And that was my mother, not a patient, my mommy, you know, and I just felt like I was going to lose my mind (laughs) and I needed to do something. And, um, you know, I had been being called towards yoga a a couple of, of different ways, but I had always my Baptist upbringing. It always felt like some woo woo, you know, ungodly stuff from the East that we weren't supposed to be mixy with, right? right. <laughs> uh, until I started doing it. And really, it was like embodied meditation for me. I've always been an athlete, I've always been, um, you know, the physicality of things, aware of my body. And to just sit and be going crazy in the mind and not have anything to do with my body was just a really unpleasant space for me. And yoga really helped me to, you know, breath with movement, breathe and come back home into my body. And, and we were off. I think that's truly how I survived those six months. Uh, And it's helped me so much because, um, as a caregiver, it is so easy to give everything out. And the sad part of it is then you don't become a very good caregiver mm. because you become, you know, think of how you feel when you're sleep deprived, right? <laughs> I mean, irritable, um, insensitive, snappy. Nobody needs that. Nobody wants a medical provider to have a short fuse. <laughs> Yeah. And so it's actually helped my practice um, personally and professionally. So I'm able to show up in a way where I'm, I'm a little, I don't, I think detached isn't, is not the greatest word because I adore my patients and I'm right there present with them, but I'm also um, moving in a way where we're kind of, you know, how you disconnect at the end of a Reiki session. I, I'm disconnecting at the end of a medical visit in a way where I feel okay, you know, I'm able to, to move on to the next. And the Reiki piece of it is just, you know, my intro to Reiki was rough because in medicine, you're seeing a patient, I see patients every 30 minutes because I'm a specialty, but some of like primary care, it can be every 15 minutes. Wow. When I first started practicing Reiki, I was like, let me, let me get some people on my schedule. <laughs> You're already laughing because you know, I was so whooped at the end of one day with, with, I did three sessions in a day and I couldn't pick myself up off the ground almost. And I, I reached out to my teacher, Kira, and <laughs> I don't think she was thinking that any of us were going to dive in like that, but right. I have western mind like come on let's get this done let's go and she was like oh no she said and she's a reiki master and i think at this point i was it was like after level one she said i don't do more than three in a day yeah and i thought ooh. Mm-hmm. she's like so you need to give yourself reiki and nobody else for a minute yeah you know? and and that was a way nobody says that in medicine no, nobody ever comes to you and goes, 
whoa, girl, I saw your schedule and uh-uh, I'm going to have to thin this out for you because you're going to spontaneously combust here. Right. But Reiki taught me that, right? Because it's like, I have limitation. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. real, that I pay for if I overstep it. If I overstep boundaries with myself, I have to pay. And yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think a big part of it too with Reiki, and that's funny that she doesn't do more than three. I won't do more than three Reiki sessions in a day. And not only will I not do more than three, I have space in between each one. And I think because um, one of the things about Reiki is it really has highlighted our interconnectedness and how connected we are. And while through practices like meditation, Reiki, all of these different techniques, even breath work, you learn how to manage your own energy and you learn how to be in your authority, connected to your body, grounded, present, all of these things, it still doesn't take away the fact that we're interconnected. And mm -hmm. if someone is coming to you, especially in your work, like in crisis, right. there's no way that that's not going to impact you on some level. And if you're like back to back, just taking in crisis, 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 I mean, obviously that's going to have a huge hit on you but then with you know energy work we go into this meditative state and we're really allowing ourselves to be like in this state of oneness and mm -hmm. while you know energy is moving and it's beautiful and it's lovely and this you know people may have things come up that they want to talk about and so again there's this exchange that happens and then you know and I, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I think we could both help a lot of new practitioners on this one because I thought when I first started Reiki because no one told me <laughs> I thought like oh people are just gonna come lay on the table I'll lay my hands the end and goodbye I thought it was just gonna be like in and out like lay hands and bye okay lay hands and mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I had no idea yeah. how much holding space came into play and how much um, allowing people to share what's coming up for them prior and after. Mm -hmm. And so there is a lot more than just, you know, laying of the hands. Yes. People are going to want to converse <laughs> and share. And, you know, there's a, a level of, you know, holding space and holding yourself yes. in all of that. So, well, I love yeah. It. Yeah. And sometimes even, sometimes it's difficult for me to talk mm -hmm. because, Language is such a funny thing. Yeah. It's something that I haven't named. It's difficult for me to say it. I've had a session where I literally walked around someone's feet and they, and they were like, whoa, what did yeah. you just do? And I'm trying to you know, process this for myself, what I'm feeling. I love that you say lay hands because that's like the way the Bible says it. <laughs> But you know, even in the Bible, when the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus' garment, mm -hmm. scripture says that he felt the virtue leave him and turned around and said, who touched me? Mm -hmm. And the disciples are like, dude, there's people everywhere. Like, what do you mean who touched you? <laughs> right. But when I, when I reflected back on that, like the virtue left and that feeling of, whoa, you know, we had a need. There's a need here. Yeah. Helped me to, to realize like, this isn't some weird, you know, 
practice that is ungodly or what it's so godly it's so um spiritual yeah we are so interconnected which is also beautiful right if you're managing your energy just like if someone comes to you in crisis if you come in and you're managing your own energy and you have that authority within yourself mm-hmm. they're affected as well yes. and that is so such a beautiful thing to witness yeah yeah and I think of you know just even on a basic level when we are going through things and you know which friend to call you're not going to call the friend who's going to fall apart with you when you need the strong friend or you need the pillar you need the rock like you know so it's like we look for that in times where we may not have the strength we look for who can help us remind us of even the strength that we have within us in those times. But you also remind me of, again, like in a very simplified way for people who may hear this and not practice energy work, you know, those times where you walk into a room and you feel the tension in the room, like you have no idea what these people were just talking about. You weren't there, but you feel the tension in the room. And that, again, we may say these things, but we're not really paying attention to what it is we're saying. We're saying, I feel you. We're saying beyond words, beyond physical touch, beyond anything, I can feel you. You know, your best friend tells you something and they may be like smiling, but you see in their eyes, their heart is breaking. You know what I mean? So it's like, we have so much evidence of how not just connected we are, but how much we impact each other and how much we feel each other. But for some reason, when we, well, I guess because when we do practice Reiki, meditation, yoga, we become so deeply connected to ourselves that that awareness then amplifies. Yes. And I think we have a different kind of reverence then for the connectivity. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that connectivity to ourselves has been just the bag I have been in lately, like, my spirit holding me through the days when it is crisis after crisis after crisis and it's I almost envision like a a big cloud you know how when someone passes they put those pictures where they're in the clouds yes 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 (laughs) it's like I envision the cloud me like it's okay we're gonna we're gonna link up after work we're going to, every, you know, um, every day before I go in and, and before I go to bed at night, I have this time with myself. I don't have to explain to anybody, you know, even therapy sometimes it's just like, I just want you to feel me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about all this, you know, yeah. Yeah. and be able to give that, give that to yourself. Um, you said something that I wanted to to go back to and now I'm trying to remember you were talking about um oh okay listen I'm I'm so sorry because I'm (laughs) I might do you edit your podcast because you might have to cut no 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 listen listen (laughs) I mess up all the time I pause I brain free and I just like listen they can just see this is what happens (laughs) this is what happens but you were just talking about um the strong friend who we go to and fall apart. Um, gosh, you know what? I lost it, but it, it may, oh, oh yes. 
holding back or holding space and the strong friend that we go to. You know what I love about my work too? I get to be around geriatric people, old people. And old people are such an overlooked treasure. Our culture says you can't produce so we want to just tuck you away over here and you go be cute and be you know some families treat their elders like pets and I have to tell them your loved one is in pain and they're tired of suffering and they are embracing the idea of transitioning you need to get on board they're not a pet that just makes you feel good that gets to sit in the rocking chair so you feel like grandmama is still here no but um I remember I had a I had a physical issue myself I had these um benign uterine tumors called fibroids and um, my doctor said don't worry once you go through menopause um they'll shrink because you know your hormone levels will go down and, and they won't be fed in the same way and I asked my mother I said mom how old were you when you had your last menses and she said 62 I started bawling I started (laughs) I started to cry and I started mumbling things like I can't do it I just can't do it and my mother took my hands and took my face and said you uh you you'll be surprised at what you can do wow and my patients are that way yeah my old patients they're like they take a licking and keep on. And I get so worked up sometimes. How am I going to break this news? And they're like, well, had to happen someday. You know, yeah. and it's just yeah. the beauty that comes with life and age and experience. So all of what I do, sometimes I'm the one that's being poured into. Yes. A lot of the time, I'm the one that's being poured into. And that helps to, to not get so bogged down with all the crises. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that about... Um, our elders, I, I am the youngest of my generation. So my mom is the youngest of eight kids. And then I'm the youngest grandchild of my generation. Now there's like, great, great grand. And <laughs> listen, there are more people that I don't even know everyone's names. Wow. But I've always loved like sitting with my aunts and when my grandmother was living, just sitting, listening to their stories. And um anyone I mean they don't even have to be related to me I just love listening to the stories and the wisdom of our elders I mean gosh that just think of like the resource of information that they have for us and that they've been through so much that a lot of things like how you just said 62 and it sent my heart like down through my feet like it really did but then when you said what your mother said to you and I thought like see and there it is like they've been through it they know like you're gonna be okay although I was thinking this is gonna wrap up at 50 but my goodness okay um the average I have to breathe on that one 51 is the average age but yeah. I'll tell you a little secret if yeah. you have beautiful very beautiful youthful looking older women in your family mm-hmm you might, you might be one of the later ones because those hormones keep you young and fertile. (laughs) Dribble me up. Look. (laughs) The trade-off. Okay. You're going to look young and it's great, but we're going to prolong some things. Oh girl. You just literally like my heart sank. Like what? I thought I was closer to the end. Um, you gotta talk to your mama you might be but yeah if they go through it all and they get to a point where they just have a grace about them yes and they look at you 
running around and spinning around like a Tasmanian devil and they just shake their head and laugh. Yeah. And like, this isn't funny. I have to work. I have to take care of these children. I have to cook. I have to listen to that. And they go, no, you don't. You can yeah. actually slow down and do whatever you want to do. You're actually yeah. present for any of this, um, which is so sweet. And how do they know that? Because they were there. They went through it. They, yeah, they're on the other end of it. So I love, I love that generational energy too, and how they stay with us even after they've transitioned. Yes. Listen, I, I say all the time, my grandmother, she passed when I was 22, I'm 44 now, but her, um, who she was and even still her essence and everything about her is what inspires me. She, the way she lived her life and what she instilled in us is what is a big inspiration for the work that I do today. Yeah. So I'm with you with that. You know, you were in your grandmother's womb. Oh, I I can get nerdy. Like, go ahead, go, please give it to us. (laughs) (laughs) A 20 week female fetus has all of her eggs. So when your grandmother was 20 weeks pregnant with your mom, you were there you were in your grandmother's womb isn't that something that is amazing to even think yeah and it's funny it makes me smile because it makes me think of like even the closeness I felt with her like I considered her another mother and not just you know yeah I love that (laughs) yeah so that makes me want to ask you about something else (laughs) um so you know we have talked a little bit about Reiki and yoga and um, I have to say Thank goodness that you are taking the time to nurture your self-care because again, a lot of healthcare professionals, a lot of healers, a lot of people that do any work to support others often don't make the time to support themselves or find that support. So hopefully you will inspire people to do that, make that pivot. But um, what else has opened up for you? Because, you know, I think when we start this work, whatever whatever it is, whether it's yoga, Reiki, meditation, it tends to open something up in a lot of people. And then they go further down this path of spirituality and really starting to craft and shape what their relationship to source, God, all there is, life, nature, what that means and looks like for them. So how has that unfolded for you? And how is it unfolding even now? Yeah. You know, it has broadened my understanding of God, of who God is. Um, And I use the language of God, not, I know some people say universe or source or spirit, and and I think it's all good. Um, But I learned and, and associated that spiritual energy with God, and it has broadened so much for me in And I think that it's really helped me to um, understand the difference between cultural religious practice and humanity and how humanity is connected. Um, You know, we have different accents depending on where we grow up in the US. And I think the same is true when it comes to religion the kind of food you eat, the way you talk, the way you, you know, um, connect or, or, or think about God. And this has, this practice has just opened that up immensely for me. 
um, it has helped me to really understand that each one of us is a spark of the consciousness of God and that that spark is there. Sometimes like, you know, pardon me for my nerdy parallel medical thing, but you know, there are certain viruses that lie dormant like Epstein-Barr or different herpes simplex viruses and even HIV, where if your immune system, if you think of it like a gate, if that gate is lowered enough, that thing takes off and people get sick. Well, I think of the spark of consciousness in the same way, but in reverse, right? It's there. It might be lying dormant, it's just waiting for us to get still enough, get quiet enough, to pause long enough to kind of be curious and, and, and look over there, look in there, right, within ourselves and, and be curious and explore and see how we connect. And, and that's what's changed for me. I, I've had so many experiences with people outside of the church that were spiritual experiences. Yeah. I, the first time I had a clairvoyant person speak to me, it was the wife of a patient I was seeing. And she said, I can't let you go. Your grandmothers are here and they want you to know something. Oh. My grandmothers, one died when my daddy was seven, one died when I was eight. I didn't grow up with grandmothers. Yeah. So I thought this is interesting. And she told me things that that was probably a life-changing day for me because those were very customized. I didn't know her, but those messages, you know, uh, were very personal and for right. me. And I just felt so loved and I felt so cared for. Like, wow, my grandmothers love me so much that they found a way to tell me basically to calm down, to chill out. Mm -hmm. And one of the things she said was, and why aren't you singing? It's like, okay, <laughs> talking to you knows me. Right. And the one lady said, the tall one smells like cookies. The lady said, the tall one smells like cookies. So I, I called my mom. I, I went in a break room, called my mom. I said, did big mama bake? And my mom said, yeah, she was a pastry chef. Why? Wow. So the way I have experienced spirituality has completely changed that door that's so closed off to anything that doesn't come from the King James Bible and the Baptist church. I, I can't move through life and my world in that way anymore. I still love scripture. I still love, you know, gospel music and <laughs> congregating and all of that. But I also am able to see, experience and hear from God in so many other ways. So these practices have really just broadened my relationship, expanded my relationship and deepened it. Yeah, it's, gone, it's gone from like um, trying to be good enough, mm. trying to be accepted to accepting myself and yeah. really enjoying being me, <laughs> being alive, <laughs> yeah. That is so beautiful. And it's a couple of things you bring up that made me think of, um, just like you were saying, the uniqueness and, you know, religion and religious paths. I think a lot of people think when they hear spirituality that we're all under the same umbrella of like the same practice, the same 
points of view and this, but even that is very personal. I mean, like we can learn um, different techniques and learn um, different tools and all of this, but it's the personal application, I think. Um, and it becomes a very personalized experience. And that's why I always tell people, it's cool what you learn in class, but the real learning and the real magic happens as you practice and bring this, this work into yourself and see how it changes you. And um, again, it is very personal, even like what you're sharing. And it's funny what you say about scripture. My grandmother was really religious and my mom told me her, she was very basic with like, hey, be a good person, the end. Um, <laughs> be whatever religion you like, study whichever ones you like, have fun, just be a good person. Yeah. And so I did, I, I fortunately I had um, friends of every background. So throughout life, I've gone to every kind of church, every kind of this, that. And I was always the one questioning, well, why do you believe that? Well, what does that mean? Well, oh, this scripture means that. Well, why do you think it means that? Or when, you know, people will say this verse is literal, but this one is a parable. Well, how do you know? Cause it doesn't say next to, you know, I questioned everything. <laughs> and um, now it's very interesting if a scripture happens upon my path. And honestly, sometimes I've been in meditation and a scripture will pop. I don't know that, like, I'll have to look it up, you know, like say if I heard like Matthew 315, I'm like, what? I don't know what that is. Let me go, you know, yeah. but I think even as you come into this deeper relationship with you, it naturally, I believe, um, um, <laughs> creates this deeper relationship with God source, whatever you personally like to name it. But even in that, some of the things that you were taught or what were passed down to you it's not necessarily that you have to throw it away as much as you may just see it or understand it differently now. That same scripture that you heard 10,000 times as a child, now you may look at it and go like, man, I this has an entirely new meaning to me. And um, I'm glad you bring that up because a lot of people do struggle in the transition of mm -hmm. what does it mean if now I'm starting to believe beyond what I was told I was supposed to believe yeah so yeah that can be a huge one it, it can be but I think that at the end of the day right when the disciples had you know they were arguing amongst themselves and wanted Jesus to answer the question which is the greatest of the commandments it was to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself on these two hang all of the law of the prophets. I mean, how beautiful is that? And it didn't say love your brother. It didn't say love your kid. It said your neighbor, like that, mm -hmm. that person that happened <laughs> next to you, yeah. <laughs> love them. Yeah. And that's what Reiki is. If that's yeah. not the most loving thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. To me, I feel like it all, it's just a different way of expressing love love yeah. for ourselves and love for each other yeah no that's a beautiful way because when you said that I mean I didn't know that story of the bible but when you were sharing it that's what I thought was like oh that sounds like the gokai the reiki principles yes. and so the very last line is be kind but everything yeah. that precedes that is like how you get to the kindness right so like really that purification of our hearts and minds is how we even come into being able to be kind to ourselves and kind to others and 
Oh, the layers of the work, the layers. So I have to ask you this because you have an amazing podcast. And um, for the people listening on my end, the purple stethoscope, you talk about some heavy topics. I mean, like you, you give it to us straight. Like you don't pull any punches. It's very honest. They are conversations that are very necessary. Honestly, I, I love the honesty of your podcast. Um, so I just wanted to ask you about that. Like what inspired you to one, even start a podcast, but to have the audacity to talk about what you talk about? I'm serious. <laughs> I, I know it. I know you are. And, and I, I love all people and I work with all people, but I have, I'm black. You know, I am a black girl from PG County, Maryland. I have a black family that's been uh, in the country for so many generations as descendants of, of slavery. Okay. And a lot of times no one's talking to us. How long has Reiki been around? Who was telling the little black boys and girls like, hey, <laughs> you know, here's how you can manage your own energy. This, no one's talking to us. And so I wanted to talk very specifically to people that no one's talking to. I think we can get into these echo chambers. Don't get me in a room with a bunch of other nurse practitioners. You won't know what's going on, right? But what good is that? What good is that to, to the community? If we have all these tools, and no one's breaking it down for us on how to access and navigate the use of them, then how do we access healing? Like I mentioned before, I had a lot of early death in my family and it made me mad because that wasn't everybody's family. Yeah. We didn't know, we didn't have the tools to, to end this, this curse is what it felt like, right? Mm -hmm. And so, that is my goal with the Purple Stethoscope podcast, to talk to people on a level that anybody can understand. And I go really, I try really hard not to use medical terminology and scientific terminology um, because that is so easy to get lost in. I can say, you know, ischemic cardiomyopathy with reduced ejection fraction, what does that mean? Nothing, but if I say, you can't breathe when you lay down flat, people connect with that. Right. And so that's my point of the podcast is to help people, you know, um, raise health literacy so that we can raise health promotion. We can promote health within our own communities. And I do believe that, you know, when you reach to the people that nobody else is talking to, you really do get a lot of other people in the mix as well. Um, and so that, that is literally just an outlet for people to learn about different preventative, mainly preventative health things, mm -hmm. how to navigate the very tricky healthcare system. Because even, even in energy work, you know, there's some things, I think a lot of things definitely start with emotion, with energy, with how we, um, believe ourselves to be in the world um but but there are things like cancer there are things like high cholesterol there are things like 
high blood pressure and diabetes where people just need to learn the basics. You know, I've, I've talked to a patient recently who ate nothing but steak for three months because they didn't have good information. They read that, you know, if you cut out carbs and eat meat, your A1C, the, the um, screening test and the test that we use to measure how well diabetes is controlled, that'll go down. And you know what? It did. It went down. Great. Not so great. Had a massive heart attack. But no one was talking to them saying, you can't, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to eat vegetables. Mm-hmm. And that seems like Everybody should know that, but everybody doesn't know that. Yeah. Everybody doesn't know how to make a doctor appointment. Everybody doesn't know how, why we want people to come back. You know, mm-hmm. they, always, they just want to nickel and dime us and take our money. And, you know, every time I go with something else they want me to do, I thought they were supposed to be healing me. And it's like, well, the medication for your blood pressure is metabolized to your kidneys. So we gotta watch your kidneys. We have to keep watching your kidneys. So you don't end up on dialysis like your daddy and your granddaddy. And you know what I'm saying? Right. But those things aren't told to people. So many times I've had people say to me, I didn't know I was supposed to come back. So we didn't see him again until the next heart attack. And it's like, whoa, you never followed up after the last one. Well, no, I didn't know I was supposed to. I thought they fixed it. So the point of the podcast is to really make make plain um, different ways to access and navigate healthcare as well as wellness, you know? Yeah. Yeah, in general. Well, it's beautiful that you're using your knowledge to really educate people because that's the thing. I mean, really, truly, some people, they like to use their their knowledge as a way of feeling over people or better than all of these things. I mean, a lot of people do. And um, that, I mean, we could do a whole nother podcast on that. (laughs) But the fact that you have um, like this grace and even humility really to say like, yeah, let me take what I know and simplify it to educate people because exactly what you said, if you don't know and if you don't understand them, what is the point? What's the point? So it's really beautiful. So, you know, the people that do listen to Reiki Radio, I hope they absolutely will. I'm sure after just listening to you speak this last hour, they're going to tune in to the purple stethoscope. Um, it's it's amazing. I'm really thankful that our paths crossed. I'm really trying to think like, how did it happen? I don't know, but I'm glad it did. <laughs> well, so I was funny. a super fan of yours before. I don't even know if you know, um, how long I have listened to Reiki radio. And I feel like that is you, you offer the side that, like I said earlier, we have pills and interventions, but there's so much more that people can do to promote their own health, to manage their own energy, to have wellness so that they never have to come see us over in cardiology. And you talk about those things. And I, I have, oh my gosh, the the guests that you have, the topics that you all cover, all of that I get to take with me into my practice, whether it's medicine or Reiki and, you know, just be a better healer and watch people get well. Watching people 
have that light switch go off where they realize that they have the power. Like they yeah. really are empowered to do things differently and yeah. love themselves and give themselves some self-compassion mm-hmm. and offer that in so many different ways. So I, I don't know if our paths are, are crossed because I was stalking you and <laughs> <laughs> you might've been like, who is this like in everything? <laughs> Who knows, but I'm so glad our paths crossed as well. No, I'm so thankful. And it's funny to think like we both grew up in the DMV area or both from the DMV area. Now we're both on the West Coast and like, yeah, and now, but you know, I mean, to the point of what you're saying, that's exactly why I want to do the podcast as well is just to um, help support people in understanding because even in the realm of spirituality, I mean, a lot of the jargon used and a lot of the way the conversations go can be very complex and you know some of the things sound good but like how does that really apply to me and so I was like I need to simplify this because if we don't really understand what's the point I mean like yeah it sounds amazing but unless you understand and unless you can actually apply it there really is no point and so yeah I am so thankful that you and I got to have this conversation I'm thankful that there are so many beautiful souls like you showing up in the world that, you know, want to help all of us for the benefit of all. So thank you so much, Devin, for the work that you're doing. Thank you for Reiki Radio. You always go back and say for the people who don't know what that means. And just like you said earlier, um, a lot of the times Reiki, we don't go looking for Reiki, Reiki finds us. That's exactly what happened to me. And I was looking to understand this thing and found your podcast. And you just, it, it's just was such a beautiful way of understanding and explaining like, what this is so yeah I'm so grateful for Reiki Radio too (laughs) Ah, thank you love you know we've already said behind the scenes stay tuned we're going to do some things together collaborate and do some things to share even more because I mean really at the end of the day that's what this is about it's all about this communal support and what we learn and grow and exchange and I feel like there are so many things I wanted to talk to you about and we didn't get to. We're like, we'll just have to be like a two hour episode. We'll just have to do it again because people are hungry just like we are. You know what I mean? There's more we need to talk about. We probably need to talk about it. We'll just have to do it. Yeah, we'll have to do it again. Well, but before we go, I do want to share with people like, yes, you're a nurse practitioner and hopefully anyone listening doesn't have to come see you in that stage. (laughs) Thank goodness you exist, but you know, you heard what Devin said, (laughs) take her tips, (laughs) but you also do wellness coaching. Yeah. So people can work with you even outside of that realm. People can work with you um, and really, uh, get the benefit of what you've learned through these other practices. So could you talk a little bit about your wellness coaching and ways that people can connect with you just to even get to work with you and learn more about your work? You know, it's another, in my mind, it's another preventative care modality. Yeah. Um, We know when we're not well. And Mm -hmm. so just helping people understand um, what, what they're sensing, where it's coming from, and doing a root cause analysis. That's basically yeah. the whole lot of it, a root cause analysis, and then working on that root cause. 
-hmm. And that's the long and short of it. Sometimes it leads down a, a medical path where we have to do a thyroid test, which it comes in handy to be a nurse practitioner because I can order that, you know, yeah. or, or something like that. And other times it ends up being more on the energy end, on the spiritual end where it's like, okay, we're just gonna, um, you know, turn the phone off and, and two hours before bedtime and see what happens when we, when you lay in bed and yeah. try to go to sleep and journal that and talk about that, you know? So it's, it's really more of, um, I do it mostly through, um, we say telemedicine, but mostly through video appointments. Mm -hmm. And that's really nice too, because it, you, you could be anywhere. I'm licensed in multiple states, but um, for coaching, I don't have to be licensed as a nurse practitioner in that state. So that's right. really cool too. Um, and, and really it's just like, you know how crazy it can feel to make an appointment, right? Like. Mm -hmm. What they're going to ask me what it's for, and I don't really. <laughs> um, that's that's pretty much what where we start with. You know, what brings you? What do you want to work on? What do you think? What are you thinking might be going on? And then going from there. And the thing I love too is I don't have to do it all. There's so many wonderful healers doing so many different things, from talk therapy to Reiki to medical practices. Um, and so I don't, there's no promise that like, I'm going to fix it, right. but we'll, uh, find a direction to go in and check back with each other in that way. So it could be spiritual. It could be, you know, mental health. It could be physical, right. but, you know, a, somewhere to check in for accountability and, and a little cheering on cheerleading yes. and some guidance. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things. I think a lot of people don't realize how just impactful the support can be. You know, yeah. sometimes we come in thinking that we're coming for one particular thing and find that really, I mean, I, I think of this because I work with a group called the Alchemy Circle. And basically it's like um, energetic mentoring for uh, energy healers. But while we do a lot of practices and they're learning a lot of techniques and they, they go on their life and they do these things, a big part of what is so healing for them is the communal support, like that in of itself, you know, the encouragement they get from each other and these types of things. So yeah, I mean, it is beautiful, especially, I think, well, I was gonna say when you're on the spiritual path, or really any path, a lot of us don't feel like we have immediate support. Right. So to be able to reach out and genuinely, you know, connect with someone who has your best interest at heart, is a beautiful thing. So tell us, what is your website? My website, okay, so it's D the NP, like yeah. death the nurse practitioner. And that is my handle everywhere. And the website is D the NP.org. And so D the NP.org. And I will put that in the show description. And I know that that's also your handle on Instagram, D the NP. Yeah. Um, go check out Devin. Thank you so much for taking the time. I mean, girl, we could talk all night, but <laughs> you know, for those that are going to be listening on my end, you guys have heard me talk about Ricky radio, which is just amazing. If you're even curious about what the heck we're talking about, just go listen. <laughs> but also where can people find you online? 
Yeah, my website is theenergeticalchemist.com. Um, on Instagram, it's just at Reiki Radio. Reiki's R-E-I-K-I, Reiki Radio. And yeah, that's the best way to find me. Yes, and if you're really into it, the Patreon is so amazing. I, I just absolutely love it. I love the content that you can go back to. Yeah. Just, you know, if it, if it doesn't hit today, maybe yeah. next week and it's there and you can listen in and, and learn some stuff. So, so cool. Yes. And so I like that people can go at their own pace. Like, you yes. know, I don't want, I want to have the pressure of like, my life is happening and I have to do, do this right. today. No, girl, get it in where you can fit it in. Like, just take your time. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So yeah. good talking with you, Amanda. It was wonderful talking to you too, Devin. I'll see you soon, my love. See you soon. Okay, beautiful alchemist. I want to say a very special thank you again to Devin. I can't tell you how much I appreciate our conversation and even more so the work that you're sharing with the world. And for everyone listening, um, be sure to check out Devin's website, dthenp.org, and follow her on social media at dthenp. All of the links are being provided down in the show description. And if you would like to join me and other energy workers in the alchemy circle, be sure to go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com. And once you activate your membership, you can join us for live events, as well as have access to the library of classes and other information um, that I have shared with the group. And then, of course, you can follow me on Instagram at Reiki Radio. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Be sure to like, share with your community, anyone you think that would benefit from any of the episodes of Reiki Radio. I thank you all so much for being here and remember to always journey in love.